0: This is Year Zero. Today on the show, hello Boogie, Angela McCardle joins me. Angela is the chair of the LA County Libertarian Party. And we get into discussing what exactly the chair does, her run for the chair of the National Party, and the messaging of the Libertarian Party, and how disappointed we have both been. But first, as always, whether it's this podcast or another great Libertarian podcast that's speaking truth to power, fighting the corporate press. Having their dog waller all over them while they're trying to record an intro. Go to your favorite podcast catcher, player, whatever you want to call it. And uh, give them a five-star review. Give me a five-star review. Donate to them. Uh, You can donate to me at paypal.me forward slash Tommy Salmons. TheLibertarianInstitute.org forward slash donate. The fun drive is still going on. If you are looking for graphic design, go to RyanBunting.com. Ryan Bunting has been a guest on the show a couple of times. He is the gentleman. (laughs) I say that in all jest. He is the gentleman that designed the logo for my podcast. And he also designed... The cover of my upcoming book of short stories. Again, I promise that is coming. It will be done. It will be done. I will not just keep talking about it. I will be done with it eventually. And uh, thanks to everybody who's donated, who's giving reviews, who's listening to the podcast. You're always appreciated. and We love y'all. Enjoy the show. All right. I'm here with Miss Angela McArdle. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on. I've been considering it ever since I heard you on uh, Pete's podcast.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was a really fun one. Um, Pete is great. (laughs)
0: Yeah, He's a good dude. I've had him on probably four or five times. But so you are the libertarian chair of L.A. County in california is I correct
1: that's correct
0: and you are running to be the chair of the national party
1: yes that is right i guess i should throw in i'm also on the california libertarian party executive committee i don't usually talk about that but i actually am active at the state level too
0: oh okay well that's cool so we we've had uh a lot of uh interesting experiences with our our chair uh especially when it was nick sarwalk and one of the one of the cool things that that i heard you talking about on lions of liberty was that you plan on kind of expanding the role of chair so when you're when you're running for chair what exactly are are we looking at as far as your role what what is your official role in the libertarian party
1: well, the chair's role in the Libertarian Party is to oversee a bunch of meetings and make sure things happen and populate committees and, and get all of the, the grunt work done, which is not really exciting. <laughs> but the chair also controls, or rather has a lot of control over social media and staff. So those are two things that I would be making some changes to. I think I've mentioned before that it's not my intention, nor do I think it's wise to go in and literally fire every person and gut things and turn an organization upside down. But I think there are some key changes that need to be made. Social media and a handful of staff are are some of those changes that definitely need to happen. So I would be doing that. As far as expanding the role goes, I think we need to have a little bit more of a media personality and presence coming from the chair as the leader of the party. I mean, right. Like people Google, people look up the party libertarian party. And what do they look up? They look up our social media. Okay. Well, that's embarrassing. And then they look up who runs the thing. And, you know, in the past, that's been pretty darn embarrassing too. Right now it's just kind of quiet. And I would like it to be so that when people look it up, they can look up someone who is quotable and has a lot to say about current events and politics and, you know, something that people would be excited to share with their friends if, if they saw something that they thought was pretty interesting.
0: Right, and that's that's one of the things I found most exciting about about the way you were approaching this is you're interested not only in doing, uh, I guess, your admin and all the offsite stuff that, that you'll be doing behind the scenes, but you were also in more, you're, you seem to be more hands-on with the messaging which is what I've always had a problem with, with the Libertarian Party, which is why, why I registered for the Libertarian Party. And then six months later, I'm like, why did I even waste that money?
1: Absolutely. Uh, You know, culture flows downstream, and you need that. That's the same with messaging. So if you have someone at the top who's doing nothing, you're going to find that people uh, further down the food chain are also going to be doing nothing or they're going to be feeling leaderless and like they, they don't feel empowered to speak out or then you're going to have bad actors who are getting away with just about anything. Like we've seen on the national LPs, uh, Twitter, you know, when they're poking fun at Rand Paul for getting, you know, threatened by protesters and things of that nature. That's, you need someone at the top holding those people accountable and you need people, you need someone at the top who's giving direction. This is what we're doing this year, guys. This is what we're going after. We're going after lockdowns. You know, BLM is in the news. We need to start calling out no-knock raids and, you know, all of the horrible things that the cops do, but we don't have to pander to the left and use their language. We could be libertarian about it because we've been talking about this for 50 years, right? We we already own this conversation. We don't need to chase it uh, by adopting awful talking points from the left. Let's not embarrass ourselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've owned every anti-authoritarian message since the 70s Mm -hmm. so why do we have to adopt the language of Marxists? why do we have to adopt the language of conservatives we're we're pro-second amendment in much more strongly than any conservative could ever claim to be Um, we're we're for the the printing community we're for the you know just Unlimited rights as far as the ownership of weapons goes. We're for unlimited rights as far as, you know, avoiding the, the uh, aggressive police force. So I, I've never understood why it, it's, it has to be an adoption of the other languages.
1: It's like the Libertarian Party has a self-esteem problem. And we're afraid of being rejected by people who already reject us. And so we're reflecting the culture and chasing it and pandering to it instead of being counterculture or creating our own culture. It kind of reminds me like what we should be doing is like what I've seen in this, this goofy Adams family meme. There's, there's mean girls that's sitting at lunch at uh, in a high school and you know, it's a typical like bitchy uh, popular girls. And they're saying, you can't sit with us, but then you have, You know, bombshell Morticia Adams sitting at another table and she says, I don't want to sit with you. That needs to be the attitude that we have. We need to revile the gross parts of culture right now that are dragging the country down and, you know, absolutely reject them and say, this is what we should be doing. And this is how people should be talking about this. And this is what libertarianism is about not begging and you know other people to say oh look at me you know we're we're a lot of look at me please love me please love me that's so cringy and gross yeah
0: it absolutely is it 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 makes me laugh because you know i had eric sawyer on the podcast a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how libertarians message and and we were laughing about that the old adage that we were you know Uh, fiscally conservative and socially liberal and i was like no dude you're fiscally unpopular and socially awkward just just deal with it no nobody cares about the economics at this point i mean when when donald trump was running up trillions of dollars of debt and in rush limbaugh came out and said well no one's ever cared about the deficit anyway i was like "Uh, okay so you know, it matters. And it's something that people should learn about. But we have to get away from that.
1: Yeah, we need to stop. Well, we're sort of if we're going to talk about the debt, we need to talk about it in more radical terms and not just Oh, well, you know, we have a lot of debt. It needs to be something that is really going to wake people up, you know, this many millions of dollars were spent murdering, you know, children in Yemen. Not just we drove up the debt, you know, um, make it make it sound as, as offensive and bombastic as it is. Instead, we just sound like fiscally conservative social justice warriors is <laughs> a turnoff. It's a universal turnoff. No one likes it.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, and I agree with you Bombastic. basket. The, the one thing I always say is they're starving your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. they're they're starving your grandchildren your child like if you have a child today it's born two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt this is debt slavery
1: yeah and that's and, much better
0: and frederick douglas has had this great quote that i i wish libertarians would would use more when he said anybody who sits around and waits for somebody to free them is a slave
1: Yes. That is the attitude that we need to have. We don't have that attitude right now. It's like we're sitting around begging them, waiting for them to invite us to the, to the lunch table. It's never going to happen.
0: I don't want to go to your party. I want to throw my own.
1: Yes, exactly. You
0: know, my party's going to be much wilder. I promise.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be a part of your, your thing. Like I don't want actually, I don't want a seat at the table. Right. I don't need, I don't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the third morally bankrupt, corrupt, uh, back deal party. That's not what I'm about.
0: And you had you had made a comment whenever you were on Pete's podcast. You had, you had said we need a what is it? A shit posting profit.
1: A shit talking profit. There you yes. go.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: So <laughs> I like to think about it in these terms. I like I get. You know, I'll I'll get kind of Jordan Peterson-ish for a second. I think that there's a lot of good uh, stories in, in the Bible because they're very timely and they lasted a long time. So even if you think it's bunk or, you know, made up or pure fiction, I think it's still got some good stuff in it for various purposes. And one of them is the story of Elijah when he battled out with Jezebel and King Ahab. So this is what I meant when I said that. Prophet Elijah had a standoff with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And Ahab, who was ruling over everything, wanted to kill Elijah. And he'd been in the habit of killing prophets, people who were talking the truth and also talking shit on Ahab. So he gathered all the people of the land to watch to see whose God was stronger. It's going to be Elijah's God versus Ahab's God, Baal. And Elijah built an altar to God. And uh, the prophets of Baal built an altar to Baal. And Elijah challenged all those prophets to pray to Baal to try to set a dry altar on fire. So Ahab's guys, the prophets of Baal, cut themselves and prayed all day and begged Baal to light the altar on fire. And the whole time, Elijah openly insults them and shit talks them and literally asks if their God is away on a trip or if he's deaf or on the toilet. And Baal's prophets failed. Then Elijah prayed to his God in front of everyone. And God literally sent fire down to consume the altar that was dry, the stone and buckets of water that he's poured on top of the altar. That's the kind of attitude we need to have. If we know libertarianism is right, if we have full faith in our, in our ideology, our philosophy, our system, we need to be unapologetic about it. That's the kind of shit talking prophet we need to be like in the face of murderous adversaries.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we, we can't, I mean, you just said it perfectly. We have to let these people know who they are. You know, mm-hmm. like one of the, and one of the things I, I always look at whenever it comes to elections, I don't vote, you know, I don't, I've never voted. Mm-hmm. I've never voted. I'm 41 years old. I've never voted. And the, but the, but the, the one talking point I always watch that they have every election cycle is we have to attract the independence. How do we attract the independence? right? Well, Mm -hmm. most of the independents are, are going, I guess it's this guy, or I guess it's that guy. They're not excited about any of these people. They, they might be excited to vote against somebody, but they're not excited to vote for anybody. You know, I know a lot of people that identify as independent and they're just like, yeah, whatever. I, I, I usually don't vote, but if I do, it's because I'm voting against someone. And yeah, so it's our job to to excite these people and to talk to these people.
1: Yeah, you've got to inspire them. And, you know, Gary Johnson, no offense to him. He didn't <laughs> inspire and excite people. People voted for him because they were, you know, used to voting and were mad that the other two choices were gross. Mm-hmm. that's why they voted for gary johnson it, yeah. gary johnson didn't get anyone off the couch who hadn't voted in 20 years guaranteed that that's that was not what happened in that election cycle
0: no neither, he neither he, did was,
1: Joe Jorgensen.
0: he was the best of three evils instead of the best of two evils he was the best of three evils that's all he was and i i've always looked at it i i come from i came from the conservative side i was always considered myself a constitutionalist until I decided I was an anarchist, Mm -hmm. but I always looked at it like I'm a principled person and none of these people stand on principle. And if they don't stand on principle, I'm not going to waste my time. You know, you're, you have to, you have to mobilize me. You have to get me up out of the chair and make it worth my while, because as far as I'm concerned, there's, very little difference in the policies. I mean, yeah, there's some, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Democrats have a much longer history of starting wars than Republicans do, but they're both blood soaked monsters at this point in time.
1: Yeah, we need to, and it would be great if we could have someone who would go out there and call them blood soaked monsters instead of just saying, I'm a nicer choice. Like I don't want a nicer choice. I want, I want to vote for someone who is really committed to waking people up. That's what we need to be pushing as the, as the LP at the national level. We need to wake people up. And if we can't wake up, you know, like the, whatever, the sheep, then we need to wake up the lions. People who say, you know, I don't, I have never engaged in the political process because it's bullshit and I know it is. Those are the people that we need to reach out to. Not people who just don't, you know, care because they'd rather watch TV.
0: Right right and you know another thing that really bothers me and i think that you'll be good at is the whole left libertarian right libertarian bullshit i i I just find that whole argument a bunch of fucking bullshit I, i just i look at it and i'm like no dude it's like walter block said we're we're the third wheel man we don't even belong on the bike you know like this is This is something way outside of who we are, the way that the political process operates. Our job is not to get elected and rule over people's lives. Our job is to let people know they are supposed to be free, you know, and I don't care if you're uh, a Sheldon Richmond, you know, left libertarian market anarchist, or if you're, you know a hardcore Hoppian. It, it doesn't matter to me. Like y'all are all my friends. Like y'all are on my side. I have friends of mine that are syndicalists, anarcho-syndicalists. And I'm like, no dude, we, we're talking the same shit. I'm like, read Kropotkin whenever he's talking about the, uh, morals of anarchy, you know, like we're on the same side here. And that's what we need.
1: Yeah. The, the infighting between left libertarians and, I guess what they call right libertarians is it's completely retarded. Uh, it's just, it's, I'm embarrassed. Whenever, whenever someone new comes to the libertarian party and they want to find out more about it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, don't go in. Don't join a Facebook group. Please stay away from all of them Right. because I don't want them to see this insane screeching from the far left of the party thinking that everyone else in the party is like a literal transphobe and a nazi and then i'm like why is it and they're like because you made a cruel facebook joke four years ago and i'm like are you get, get what is wrong with you do you want to go do real activism you wanna, or you just want to larp and call everyone a nazi and I- you know like there's there's shit posting from the other side too but it's just like none of this matters like it just None of it is going to get you freer.
0: Yeah, I know. If you like your identity, you can keep it. And if you like your shit posting, you can keep it. Like, It's just words, man. Sticks and stones.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I've, I did not anticipate that the culture war would dig in so deeply into the Libertarian Party, but it has. And I would definitely say that that is partly due to very bad leadership in the past. So I'm hoping that we can fix that. Do you have
0: have an idea of how you would approach it?
1: Oh yeah. Well, I I think that some of the worst actors in the party who are really melodramatic are going to absolutely leave if I'm elected because they just can't, they can't stomach the thought of someone from the Mises caucus leading the party has nothing to do with racism or transgender issues or equality or whatever they want to call it. It's just, this has become team sports for them, just like it is between Republicans and Democrats. So I think if they lose their game, they're going to, you know, take their ball and go home and the rest of it, I'm just not going to feed into it. We're, we're focused on running a successful organization that's focused on radical principle messaging. And if you don't like that, then I guess, you know, you could go start your own, crappy third party that's focused on trying to please everyone and make everyone feel good.
0: No, I, I disagree. They can't start their own third party because we monopolize the third party. They have to start their fourth party.
1: Well, yeah, it's, at, that's another thing. I, I, I'm triggered when I hear myself say it is we have to stop saying a third party. Yeah. We are the largest, we, we are the third largest party. And then there's a bunch of other parties. So I think the term third party needs to, be rejected and kicked out of our lingo. They can go start some other fringe party that there's a new uh, Bernie bro party. It's called movement for a people's party. I think some of the people who are furthest left in the party would probably fit in better there. Mm -hmm. It's not my mission to kick people out though, because I don't have time for that because I have actual work to do. So as far as like People are worried. Oh, it's a purge. You're not that important. Like I just don't care that much about your screeching on social media that you think everyone who disagrees with you is a Nazi. You're just not important enough for me to spend all my time trying to erase you. You'll yeah. probably leave.
0: No, I, 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 We don't have we don't have time for that shit. You know, uh-huh. like Dave Smith says, we're 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 in war with the CIA and with the corporate press. I, I ain't got time to deal with your little petty bullshit like that's it's not even near the top of my agenda The it is you know like the one thing i got in the habit of as soon as somebody even like remotely addresses me in any way where they're insinuating that i might be racist i just unfriend them i I don't I, i just don't need you in my life you know like i i can I have plenty of other shit to do than to spend my time trying to convince you that I'm not a white supremacist. You know?
1: so. Right. Yeah. It's like all of these people who want to LARP on social media and yeah, I don't know, spend their day making crappy comments about me. I'm busy in court uh, doing transgender name changes, uh, eviction defense, uh, helping people sue banks that have screwed them over in wrongful foreclosure lawsuits. That's why I don't have time to deal with these losers, like trying to do things that actually have an impact in the world. But, you know, not everybody, uh, I guess not everybody leads a fulfilling, uh, meaningful existence.
0: Yeah, no doubt. What do you think about, so what do you think the messaging should be? Like coming off of 2020, which was such, I've heard you say it and it can't be said enough. It was so dystopian. Mm -hmm. And 2021 isn't looking like it's gonna be any better with all this domestic terrorism talk and, you know, late putting libertarians bunching us in the middle of it. And what do you think, how, how do we message going forward?
1: I think we need to drop all the leftist pandering. We need to focus on how tyrannical the last year has been and how how absolutely damnable lockdowns have been and how many people they've harmed. The California Mises Caucus has been doing interviews with small businesses, with small business owners, and they've been really powerful. That's the sort of stuff that we need to lead with. Uh, When we talk about messaging to the left, we need to talk about ending qualified immunity and no knock raids. And that's stuff that Republicans are going to be on board with lately, too, because they're not happy that cops have been enforcing the lockdowns to some extent. We need to talk about ending the drug war at the federal level and how Donald Trump kind of toyed with our feelings and then never did it. Uh, we need to talk about the racist origins of gun control every time Democrats try to push that crap on us, and we need to talk about ending the welfare state. Uh, that includes corporate welfare, but entitlements are gonna—they're—they're they're bankrupting us. And like you said, it's making our children debt slaves. Mm-hmm. It's—I uh, don't want to end up living somewhere like Venezuela, and that's what I want to communicate to people.
0: Yeah, I don't either, and. You know, 60% of the money was printed last year. 60% yeah. of the currency that's in circulation was created last year.
1: That's terrifying.
0: That it's, it's, it's horrifying. And I have a, I have a one-year-old granddaughter and I'm like, what the, what, where the fuck is she going to be? You know? Right. You know,
1: I'm right. not, not going to
0: live forever and be able to tell her, well, this is what's happening, sweetheart. You know, like.
1: And what does it matter if you end up with a modest amount of savings for her and then money is just printed into oblivion and it becomes worthless? It's like this. the effects of this are really far-reaching. You know what we need to do, too, at the national level is we need to go after MMT. We need to go after modern monetary theory and absolutely destroy that and, and humiliate the people who are pushing it.
0: Oh, because my that God. that is...
1: That's a millennial and uh, Gen Z uh, fun talking point now. People who think they know economics, like like AOC and her MMT fetish.
0: Not just. I just heard um, Eric Weinstein or Weinstein, however you say his name, talking no. about talking about how it's it's gauge theory at work on Lex Friedman's podcast the other day.
1: Oh, that's so disappointing. Yeah, oh.
0: and he was saying that this. He was saying that the same. The same thing is wrong with Bitcoin that is wrong with with uh, classical economists is that they don't uh, take into consideration gauge theory and that uh, modern monetary theory is the only theory that is like rooted on gauge theory. And it's the only theory that is correct going forward.
1: Good grief. Uh, It's so disappointing because I'm a big IDW fan, but that is wildly dangerous that's why we've got to be talking about this at the national level we need to go after this stuff uh, and that's where we should be focusing our media attention to by the way is alt media intellectual dark web people because that's the future of media these legacy media giants are are flailing you know they're in their death throes and You know, it seems like they've got a death grip on everything right now, but you never know. Things could change very dramatically in just a few years. And we need to be, well, not begging Joe Rogan to uh, have us on social media on Twitter because that's an awful look. But uh, how about start by being friendly to these people and charitable to them and not calling them alt-right or racist or, you know, whatever, furry phobes, whatever stupid insults we lob at these people.
0: I heard, who was it? It was, it was, I don't remember which episode it was of Joe Rogan. He was making fun of the whole concept. I think it was with Tim Dillon. He was making fun of the entire concept of everybody begging him to have Joe Jorgensen oh. on his podcast. And he was like, and he goes, and I went ahead and voted for her.
1: <laughs> Right. Right. It's just because it's so unattractive. Like think about if you're going to ask a girl out and you're begging her, begging. That, that's not hot. That's gross. That is not how you get anyone's attention. That's how you get people to cringe and run away from you. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. For the, for the record, I don't beg women to go out on dates. I beg them not to run away.
1: There you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to stop the Libertarian party from being the party of begging for attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nope.
1: No begging for votes, no begging for attention. We're going to do our thing and we're going to let our personality shine after we uh, take some Emily post classes in manners. And uh, then people are going to like us. People are going to yeah. like us once we learn how to behave.
0: Yeah. Stop acting like a bunch of incels.
1: Yes. Yeah. Or yeah, it is kind of incel-ish. It's yeah. like the It's like the lefty simp incel thing. Like we're just we're just like simping so hard for everyone's attention and, and votes. It's, it's gross.
0: Yeah, almost like a, almost like a a male feminist.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: it's kind of that 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 whole thing. There's there's a lot of desperation involved.
1: Yes, I'd like to dial that back. I'd like to I'd like for us to have some self respect as an organization.
0: Well, yeah, you kind of yeah walk with some confidence. You know, like mm-hmm. I have the right answer. You know, like, yes. I, I don't need you. I don't need you to survive. I don't need you to thrive. I can be fine without you. We do not need you. And yes. that's that's the attitude we have to have going forward. You know, like. Absolutely. Even, even in, especially in the national, on the national scale, we have to approach it gangsta, you know? Like, we yeah. have to come at it like, I don't care, dude. I don't care if I get 50% of the vote. I don't care. And and we need candidates that will say this. I don't care. Libertarians do not care how much of the vote we get. We're going to live how we live, whether you like it or not, because we are free.
1: We need to be the embodiment of the spirit of rebellion. And people people are susceptible. They're receptive to it right now. Now is the time. Now is not the time to put forward uh, milk toast, watered down Gary Johnson messaging. Now is the time to say no. We're defying you because all of a sudden you have you know forty percent of the country saying hey let's defy something. So why we should be leading that? Like it's an absolute travesty that we haven't you know capitalized on this opportunity because it's it's perfect. It's it's a horrible situation, but we could really make something out of it. Yeah. I hope that we will in the future although I definitely don't want us to be locked down by the time 2022 rolls around.
0: Yeah, well, I mean you're going to be wearing two masks, one way. Or oh, the other.
1: I have a really thin uh women's scarf that I wear on my face. It's it's see-through, but Yeah. I
0: live in a I live in a small southeast Texas town.
1: Oh, really? And, so uh, you're you're freer. Uh, for
0: the most part, I mean they don't say anything to us. I mean, I'm out on the road, you know, five five and a half days a week. So mm-hmm. I live in a truck for the most part. But when I when I I was at I went to the pharmacy the other day, the little little pharmacy there in town, and uh, one of the pharmacists was wearing a, a a replica John McAfee mask. I mean, she had a lace mask
1: that's amazing
0: i was like this is awesome
1: <laughs> that's amazing i i want to see more people doing stuff like that it 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 warms my heart it encourages me i'm in california so it's a little you know
2: yeah a little you're,
1: more uh, communist out here
0: you're from texas originally though right
1: i am i was born in new orleans but i grew up in texas um i spent most of my time in longview which is northeast texas
0: okay i'm from uh i'm from lake charles originally so yeah but i spent most of my time in houston
1: i have lived in houston as well and uh pasadena and Mm -hmm. those suburbs
0: yeah i live i live uh just um just east of beaumont is where i'm at now
1: okay see i love texas and if i ever have if i'm driven out of this place you know if i have to move i would be happy moving back to texas but everyone's terrified they're like oh gosh don't come don't come back here i'm like no no i'm i'm one of the good ones i won't ruin you (laughs)
0: yeah
1: california it's like it's it's texans look at californians like how californians look at covid patients (laughs)
0: like it's contagious
1: (laughs) oh yeah it's like airborne aids (laughs) yeah my politics
0: California. Well, it's funny though, because you you're a Texan that moved to California. So all the Californias, Californians moving to Texas are trying to turn the state blue. And the one Texan I know that moved to California is trying to turn it gold.
1: I am. We'll we'll see where <laughs> I'll call it Ange Capistan. I'm trying to get a little uh, <laughs> tiny little uh, golden paradise out here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So. When, uh, what do we need to know about your run for the chair?
1: Well, my run for the chair is, uh, it's taken place in 2022 at the Reno convention. And I need people obviously to show up and to vote. So if you are a member of the party, please, you know, please get delegate status and go to Reno and vote and let's make it happen. The Mises caucus has been talking about a takeover for a while it needs to happen now. Uh, it's really important that we don't drag this out anymore and lose momentum. And for anybody who's uncertain, by the way, our growth has been like incredible over the past three months. So it's looking very, very likely. Um, if you wanna support me, if you're interested in uh, following my chair race shenanigans, you can support me on Patreon. Uh, I, you can also you know, just make a donation for my campaign travel. I am going to a lot of conventions this year Alabama, probably North Carolina, uh, Michigan, California, Washington, trying to hit a few states in the Midwest. So a lot of travel. I'm going to an event in Texas, I believe in the middle of April, although it's not the convention.
0: My luck is going to be in El Paso.
1: Mm, yeah, I don't think it's El Paso. It's not El Paso. But... <laughs>
0: That's 800 miles from my house. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's quite far. It's not an hour from you. I'm sure it's more than an hour, but not well, El Paso.
0: Everything's more than an hour from where I'm at.
1: Yeah.
0: Except for Lake Charles and Beaumont. <laughs> That's the only thing near me. Right. Lumberton.
1: So, Trees. Trees. Yeah.
0: Swamp. I'm 10 miles from the Gulf of Mexico.
1: I it's well it used to be gorgeous it was gorgeous when i grew up there but then the bp oil spill happened and i
0: don't know not the area i live in oh
1: really it's all
0: it's all plants i live close to I'm, i'm about 40 minutes from port arthur okay so yeah i'm just out in the middle of nowhere so but so we want okay so my my podcast i try to I try to focus my podcast and I I, I've been kind of focusing it in a direction to where I'm speaking to, I I do have quite a few anarchists that are like, I'm never voting ever. And then I have some libertarians that listen, but then I also have quite a, quite a large conservative audience If you were going to speak to those conservatives right now, like how would you what would you tell them about the Libertarian Party uh, as opposed to the Republican Party?
1: I would say that the Libertarian Party is getting cleaned up right now and we are becoming a vehicle for radical messaging. Uh, And it's a lot of the things that Republicans wish they could say, but know that they can't because the people who control the GOP don't allow this sort of messaging to come out. Um, if you would like to push that messaging, if you would like to have a grassroots movement in your community for local office, the Libertarian Party is definitely for you. Uh, because as much as we're talking about messaging at the national level, we are also very interested in, in pushing a grassroots organizing. And we've been having some success, and a lot of it has been born out of the lockdowns. So we've been having people win city council races and things like that. And just know that if you live in a blue state and you're fighting back against tyrannical governors, your local governance is is key there because those are the people who are holding dictators like Gavin Newsom at bay, Orange County Board of Supervisors, Riverside County Board of Supervisors for California. They're, uh, you know, Riverside has a libertarian on the board. Orange County is a little bit more conservative, but it's been, it's been trending blue and the Libertarian Party is catching up, and I feel like we are really, uh, we are really going to be contributing quite a bit to holding off tyrants at the state level.
0: Yeah, I um, uh, you know, I, I I feel, and maybe it's because I come from the conservative aspect. My dad is more of a conservative. Um, I was a big Glenn Beck fan, you know, during Obama's mm-hmm. administration. And I, I kind of feel that the conservatives have the language and they just need to learn the consistency. Yeah. Whereas yeah. In, in my opinion, the left kind of feels like a lost cause. And there's a lot of people that try to tell me, oh, no, no, they're not a lost cause. They're not a lost cause. They're just, their language is different. And I'm like, I don't understand their language. Like they're, they're speaking past me. I, I just can't grab onto it. And so I've really tried to shape my podcast as kind of like the bridge to, um, like Scott Horton's show or the bridge mm-hmm. to free man beyond the wall or the bridge to Tom Woods from the conservative side, because though I'm an anarchist, I feel like I have more in common with them.
1: Sure. It makes sense, and and there are a lot of anarchists who are more socially conservative, and we agree with most, you know, conservative policies. Uh, you know, I would say, I guess I would be, what would that make me? A far right on the financial uh, scale. I'm, you know, as, as conservative with my money as far as government spending goes as anyone can be, and so I think that it's natural that we reach out to conservatives and build bridges with them where we can. And conservatives are more rational, too, and they generally are going to have more respectful dialogues with us on the places where we don't agree. So I think that they're natural allies and we just need to work with them and open their eyes up to how, how much of a mess their party is at the national level. The upper echelons of the GOP is, is quite hideous and their party is very fractured right now and in a lot of disarray. Mm -hmm. And so to that extent, you know, I welcome them to the Libertarian Party. And if they have socially conservative values, I say you can bring those values with you. We just don't vote on them because we believe everyone should be able to live their lives however they want. But can you be a socially conservative Libertarian? Absolutely. You're welcome to do so.
0: Right. Yeah, I know for sure. And that was one one of my big problems with the Republican Party was the insane focus on culture, on the social aspect of, of mm-hmm. politics. It was like, quit trying to force your identity down other people's throats. It, it always bothered me. Yeah. You know, I mean- It
1: seems like there's been a backlash too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I've never been like, I've never been pro-choice. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I think there's a valid argument that some women have. And so it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't want to make them feel bad. I'd rather like wrap my arms around them and tell them like, it's going to be all right. Like we'll, 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 will through this together. Cause I know it wasn't the easiest decision you ever made. Right.
1: Yeah. Like I've never been in that position and I tend to, you know, feel like personally I'm pro-life, but I'm very careful with passing judgment on people. Cause I've never been in a position to have to make that call. Right. So I'd be kind of talking out of my ass if I was screaming at everyone that they were a bunch of murderers and I had no context for what was going on.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, I know, I know, I know a woman. I've known her for, for years and she's had, she had an abortion. All right. And the reason she had an abortion was because she was a drug addict and she knew at the time of her pregnancy that she would be an, ir- an irresponsible mother. And she was like, I'm not going to bring this child into this world and torture it. You know,
1: right. and, and give yeah. it a
0: horrible life. Like, okay, like I can, I actually empathize with that. Like, I don't want to put it up into the into the system because the system is a total fucking nightmare. And then, but I don't want to, I don't want to have the child and and give up my lifestyle because I'm addicted to drugs and I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready to quit. I'm young, you know. I'm 18 years old. You know, there there are thousands of stories like this where you're kind of like. Okay, maybe I don't necessarily think that you made the right choice, but I can kind of see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, I I think that women sometimes end up in situations where they feel hopeless or they get pregnant by someone who is a little bit abusive and they were planning on getting away from him. And now they think now I'll never get away. Mm. He'll, He'll abuse me. It'll get worse. And he'll abuse our child. And, you know, they, they feel like the only way out is to get an abortion. (laughs) Like it's, it's sad and I probably wouldn't do it, but um, again, I've never been there. So it's just, it's something where I'd rather be compassionate, you know, and I'd I'd rather,
0: you know, I'd
1: rather, I'd rather win people over in the long game and try to try to scream at them and make them feel crappy.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Because, you know, this is, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And then if you you walk, you're walking into a clinic, you know, to do something that you think is best in the long run, and you mm-hmm. have these people throwing things at you and cussing you and calling you a child killer. Like I was in the military. I remember when people would show up and protest, like people showed up and protested the, the base I was on. I was in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. They would show up and they would protest and they would call us child killers and, it would be like, and we would be like, yeah, like if the child walks up to me, like in the middle of a battlefield offering me a Coke, I'm probably not going to take the Coke. And the child might get shot in the process of all this going on because there's a lot of shit that's going on out there. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so it was like, this isn't the way to, to communicate the message. I get what you're trying to say. I get what your, what your point of view is, but when you're in that when you're in that position, when you're 19 years old, and you're getting called a child killer, you're just kind of like, whatever, man, it makes you hard to yeah. that, that particular argument, you'll never hear it. You're never going to hear it. You know, luckily, I ran into the Scott Horton show, I learned a shitload about foreign policy. So yeah, I'm willing to listen to the arguments. But that's not how you're going to reach these people. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, no, absolutely. No, it's
0: accurate in some ways. Nobody, no 18, 19 year old kid that just got out of basic training, which is what I was. I was in airborne school at the time. I had just gotten out of basic training. I'm getting yelled at by these protesters that I'm a child killer. And I'm almost like, I don't even know who the fuck you are or what the fuck you're talking about.
1: Yeah, you know? no. Save save that kind of attitude and that kind of messaging for people like John Bolton.
0: Exactly, <laughs> they deserve it. Yeah, they,
1: he can you know lay into John Bolton with with child murder. Go go for it. You know, give it to the New York Times too. They're not they're not totally uh, innocent, right? I think we can I think we can attack the corporate press uh, without feeling bad about ourselves. The Clintons, the Bush family, but but nineteen year old soldiers who joined the military for whatever reason, people who haven't got things figured out. Let's not mercilessly attack them again. Like you you need somebody with a little bit more wisdom, uh, leading the LP who's giving good signaling, you know, John Bolton. Yes. Put the target on him. Uh, <laughs> 19 year olds, you know, young girls who are frightened and getting abortions. Let's, you know, let's, let's kind of, let's tone it down. Let's give them a break.
0: Right. Okay. So I have one thing, I want, one more thing I wanted to cover with you and it just popped into my head and then I'm going to let you go. Cause I know you got another interview. So, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, a while back and we were talking about the language. Well, let me, let me give you his point of view, because it's, Mm -hmm. it's not fair for me to do it from my point of view. He was, he's worried about the, the way that people are talking about genders and pronouns, and, and transgender because he wants to share the libertarian message with his transgender friends. He feels that some of the messaging is, is being promoted or endorsed in such a way that it's hard for him to, to share the message with his transgender friends. So how can we reach these people that ought, should be libertarian who want to live their life as they see fit right they don't want to be tied down by any of these binaries or by any kind of labels they want to decide for themselves how they move forward how can we how can we address that message
1: well i think that once the sniping within the party between the the left and right fringes calms down you're going to see a little bit less reactionary stuff against uh, all the pronoun stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to keep in mind, but I, you know, I'd also say that there are, there are a handful of transgender people in the libertarian party that I know Mm -hmm. Uh, my, my best friend, Rachel Nix is the vice chair of LA County and she's transgender. Mm -hmm. And I know she wouldn't mind me saying that. And um, I think that, you know, for the most part, looking at transgender people and, as human beings not as political pawns for the left right. they want to be treated like human beings and not constantly pandered to by their gender so if we just sort of drop that stuff out and don't talk about it and just say well we support your rights to bodily autonomy and you know like self self actualization you do whatever you want with your body you know like it's really your choice just like you know anything else is putting on makeup or getting dressed as long as we're not coming down with hardcore conservative values, I think those people are going to feel pretty welcome in the party. We just have to have good manners because there's nothing in libertarianism that says a transgender person can't, uh, can't be a libertarian. Quite a few of them are.
0: Yeah. I would, I, I mean, I, like I said, I kind of feel like the libertarian party is the only correct party for them. Right. Yeah. Because they are trying to shun in uh, what they see as an authority over their body their feelings mm-hmm. the way that they identify it, it's this this construct for lack of a better term that has been forced upon them that a man acts this way and a woman acts this way and that's just the way it is mm-hmm. and you know it's not always the case you know i mean I. I I thought Joe Rogan made a good point when he when he said, So you're trying to tell me that Andy Dick and The Rock are the same thing.
1: Right. right. <laughs> yeah, like, They're not.
0: Yeah, absolutely not.
1: <laughs> I mean, like what I I don't know. I kind of maybe Andy Dick a little bit over the rock. I'm kind of attracted sometimes to the worst of the worst. But um <laughs> as far as you know the parties go, I would say Democrats tend to treat transgendered people like every other minority like a political pawn Mm -hmm. and conservatives give them a hard time and libertarians just want them to be able to live their lives without sexual scrutiny
0: right yeah because it's like something i've never even really talked about because i'm just kind of like i don't give a shit like do what the fuck you do man i
1: don't care yeah i don't care at all i mean like my best friend is transgendered. that's that's also not why we're best friends you know Like she just happens to be that. And I, I, it's fine. We, you know, she is a funny person. She's also a libertarian and she's a good friend. We get along well, you know? And I think that that's generally how libertarians view transgender people like, Oh, you're a libertarian. You also happen to be transgender. All right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's just kind of like, okay, but it's, it's this, this whole period we're in, I guess, because I'm, I'm, I'm from the nineties, right? Mm -hmm. And identity wasn't a huge thing in the nineties.
1: Like I remember
0: when my kids were in high school, I remember my, my son walked up to me and he goes, yeah, dad, I just want you to know I'm pansexual. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He was like 15. I'm like, you don't even know what the fuck you are. Yeah. No Uh, idea. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't want to age myself too much, but I was in uh, junior high and high school in the nineties. And, i I don't recall anyone ever like making such a big deal out of sexuality it was like sex jokes you know talk about sex but we didn't have you know 57 different gender identities we just didn't we weren't thinking about it that way we we had other things i guess on our minds
0: yeah yeah no i remember there was this there was this girl i went to high school with and we were all there was a group of us, we were all such good friends. And she dated this guy for like five years, all through high school and, and beyond. And all of us knew she was a lesbian except for her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then she finally broke up with this dude and she started dating his sister and he started dating her brother. And it was like, that's oh, hilarious. Okay. this makes a lot of sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That's, that's such a nineties. Like, um, quirky rom-com thing that's yeah. very like,
0: <laughs> so, but all right man I really appreciated you coming on
1: yeah thanks so much for having me um you know I will catch you next time and uh thanks for your thanks to your listeners too for uh for putting up with my LP uh, shenanigans
0: no that's all right as you can tell I'm not a great interviewer I'm more of a like let's have a conversation
1: yeah me too
0: so all right well, you have a good one. Enjoy your next interview.
1: Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you're going to play scam, Pick and Choose, well, it's a game
2: that was made for you to lose. Making any kind of change But they keep on getting re-elected And I find that strange and That's why I say fuck them, Don't feed them, Cause we don't even need them. I never celebrate the tyrants That take taking our freedoms Yeah I said fuck them, Don't feed them Cause we don't even need them I never celebrate the tyrants That take taken our freedoms Don't feed them cause we don't even need them I never celebrate the tyrants that of taking our freedom Yeah, I fuck them Don't feed them cause we don't even need them I never celebrate the tyrants that of taking our freedom